You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Celtics Stuff Live with your hosts, Justin Poulin and John Duke. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network. I'm John Duke. That's Justin Poulin in the car, parts unknown. It's Celtics Stuff Live. We're coming back to you. We are feeling good, feeling great, feeling wonderful. The Celtics went 3-1 on the West Coast road trip. Jason Tatum has gone supernova. Justin Poulin is ready to gloat. This is If this isn't the Celtics stuff live you were waiting for, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, we are pumped. We are jacked. Um, you know, apart from some, some referee shenanigans uh, in, in L.A., could have been a 4-0 trip. But really, really, the Celtics, they, they not only did they do what we hoped they would do on the road, I think they surpassed it by a good stretch, Justin. Yeah, it could have been a 4-0 trip on the road without Kemba. And, you know, what I love about what's going on right now is you mentioned Tatum, and and you didn't use the word superstar, but everybody else is throwing it around. Uh, you said supernova, I think. But the thing that stands out to me the most is that I just love the, what he, the love that Jason's getting from other players. You know, C.J. McCollum talking about uh, how he's a superstar. You know, he's deadly. There's not a weakness on offense in his game. This is the kind of stuff, when you start to get recognition from your peers, and I think they also like him. It's not just that he's doing great things. Uh, I know he got a chance to mingle with a lot of players around the league at at All-Star Weekend. I think they just like him. I think he's a really likable guy. I know his son's really likable. He's fun fun to see the videos and, and everything else, but... I just I, I think that that matters. It, it's it's weird that it matters, but it matters in life and it matters in basketball. And uh, and I think the league likes him. I think the league likes Jalen Brown too. And I know we see a lot of these articles. Hey, don't forget about Jalen. He's going off as well. And I do think Jalen is is fantastic, and I have. But what Tatum's doing really is just next level stuff. Like. We've got a guy that we can't let Danny Ainge let go ever. He's he's a Celtic for life type. He's a Paul Pierce type, and uh, you know he's a 
he's better than Paul Pierce, uh, or he has a chance to be better than Paul Pierce. So I don't know how anybody can't be super excited. I love what's happening without Kemba, and I think we should be excited about the playoffs. No, I think you're right. I think you look at what they're doing right now. Now just a game back from Toronto as we're recording this here on, on Thursday night. Uh, Toronto, nor, nor Toronto nor Boston are playing here on, on, uh, on Thursday night. So uh, both, both teams are off. So we can, we can very confidently say as, as when you listen to this Friday morning, there's a one game difference between the two with two games to be played between both teams here. Uh, over the next six weeks uh, to, to finish up the season. I, I think you're right. I think this is, this is, this is going to be an exciting playoff run here for Boston, but I think what, what's interesting and I, I want to get into your, your prediction and, and the conversation you and I had a year ago about, about trading uh, Tatum or, or really trading young players in general, I guess. Uh, oh, you saw me taking players. shots on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Because I know you anytime you lie. anytime you're right anytime you're right about a prediction you're going to you're, you're going to make sure we're going to know about it so I I'm going to give you that space to 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 really let the let the air breathe hold around hold on hold on around it, it. Was so like ten shows of like arguing right like yeah. we argued about Kyrie we were done arguing about Kyrie we argued about whether or not they should trade for Anthony Davis we had a contentious relationship on the show last year now we're just all smiles I just want every once in a while you know to remind people that look I mean I was all about Brown I was all about Tatum and I was all about not letting them go and yeah. I love the youth movement. So let me just say this. I'm glad it's paying off because if, if it had gone the other way and the players weren't rising to the occasion and they were struggling and last year's ills were still plaguing this team this year, you know, I'd probably be eating some serious crow, right? But instead, I get my cake and eat it too, meaning I wanted to watch the young players develop, and I am but I'm also benefiting from them being successful. It would not have gone down this way in the Delonte West, Rondo, you know, that whole era pre-KG trade, but I felt the same way. So one time it's real, one time it's not. I'm glad where we're at. We're at where we're at. Sure. Well, and I think you could, as you said it before, I, I think that Tatum – is a player of a caliber that we haven't seen in terms of young player that we haven't seen since, since Paul Pierce was here. And, and I agree with you. I think he has the potential to have a better career than Paul Pierce, which may have been maybe blasphemy for, for those who are uh, big time Paul Pierce guys. Uh, and we love Paul, but, but there is, there is something else, another, you know, another level that's going on here. I remember, when Pierce was going through that run on the West Coast, when he he actually did get the uh, the Truth moniker, and we can talk about whether or not the problem is a, is a good nickname for for Jason Tatum or not, as dubbed by by uh, LeBron James, but that was that was the last time I can remember a young player just captivating. You know these these old these folks staying up late at night to watch these games and just see the guy go off. Uh, Pierce doing that almost 20 years ago, and now Tatum here now. It's uh, it's really a remarkable run that he's been on, and you know, truthfully, a year ago, I mean, as, as big a fan as I was, Jason Tatum, I wasn't sure that this is 
that he was going to be able to show this height at this point in time and this this ability this like incendiary ability to score the ball whenever however he wants you could ask me two months ago if I thought he was going to be capable of this this season. And, and there's no way. I mean, there's just no way that, that he was going to be able to do that. This is a guy who was shooting less than 40% at times at the rim to start the season. And oh, I thought that was that's probably That's right where not, I was going. Remember that? Yeah. I, mean, I don't think like, that that's – What did you and I say? You and I agreed on this, but what did you and I say? Keep taking them, man, because as soon as you make those fine adjustments, you're getting the shot off. It sure. wasn't like he was getting rejected. He was finding the space. He just wasn't quite putting the right spin on the finish. And now he's there, dude. And I don't know how he's not getting blocked, to be honest with you. It's crazy the way he's getting that shot off, like, just underneath the blocker's hands. Well, it's because his wild. arms – it's because his he has – this unbelievable reach that really only a guy like Giannis or, or, you know, maybe even the stifle tower, uh, Rudy Gobert can, can match with. I mean, the guy's arms are tremendous and I don't really think that gets discussed enough because <laughs> really it's, that's the difference for him as a player. I mean, for all the talk of, of Kawhi and his hands and, you know, his, his reach and what he does, Tatum is doing that as well and using his physical gifts to benefit him. And as you said, he's using, and now he's able to use that reach, but with touch, you know, and and really no better uh, example of that than last night in Utah, where a number of times he went to the rim against Gobert, probably the, the best rim protector in the league. And, didn't even get bothered, not bothered a bit by J- by uh, Jason Tatum was not bothered a bit by Rudy Gobert. It was it was it was like next level stuff. It it is in a similar way, but not in a showy way. It was it was really not unlike him going against Kawhi. You know, it's just like take the best defenders and I'm just going to still do whatever I want to do. It's amazing. Yeah, I saw a stat somebody threw up on Twitter. You know, something about how long has it been since two players, you know, averaged what Brown and Tatum have averaged together. But then the thing that I immediately throw out, you know, at at that age, at 23 years or younger, has two. But what's amazing is that there's two other players on this team that are averaging 20 points per game. So think about, you know, you look at the other people that are in that category there isn't 20 points per game for two other stars on the team. I, I really think that's underrated. Like, as much as we talk about, you know, T- Tatum's emergence, you know, that's what's going to make everybody else just that much better. I mean, Brown benefits, Hayward benefits. Hayward benefits because he gets to do all those little things that make him great, and he's so unselfish. Look at the quotes from Jalen Brown. Like, this is kind of where I'm going with him being likable. Like, I get that this team's got a better culture and they're all in it together, but they're not all in it together for a guy that's not likable. And that's that's something that is going to serve Tatum so well. Nobody has a problem with his success because he's probably not a jerk about it. And, and that is the stark contrast from last year, this year. You don't even have to say it about Kemba because I don't think Kemba's the number one option anymore. I know he's been out. I just don't think he's the number one option. 
No, I th- I think you're right. I think you know that was probably the thought going into this season, if, you know, for the team is how far can they go? And I think universally the feeling was this team is only going to go as far as Jason Tatum can take them. And that seemed like a laughable conversation in October a bit, you know, to say, well, and, and maybe as a second option, a 1A, 1B, we were thinking that at this point it's one number one with a star, with a bullet, whatever, and trying to figure out, you know, trying to make sure that Kemba is, can still be uh, – and that seems insane to say of a player who started the all-star game uh, was a third team, all NBA player a year ago, but you know, can Kemba, what's going to be Kemba's role? Because that's been, they've found ways. Other teams have found ways to slow him down. Now we can say Tatum can be number one, trying to keep Kemba moving and, and, and get his open shots. First of all, Kemba, if they try to double Tatum like they are, Kemba is going to make him pay. <laughs> I think we could say well, that see, without question. That was question. my point. You you look at the adjustments that the Lakers made in the second half of the game, and you know I, I can't remember who wrote about it, but they said basically that they forced Vogel to you know do a defense that isn't even what he would want to do, but Tatum made it happen. Well, if they make those adjustments in the finals against this right like let's say it's Lakers Celtics right there's there's one you haven't heard before let's <laughs> say it's them again and they make those adjustments but Kemba's healthy I'm sorry but then you can go to the number 2 number 1 you know the 1A 1B however you want to say it but to your point they're going to make he's going to make them pay how you slow down Kemba is the same way you slow down Tatum you throw extra bodies and you still got a Gordon Hayward that can hit an open shot. You've got a Jalen Brown who a guy that was lamented for not being able to be a shooter who took a step, who's now taken a serious step. Like his level of efficiency from the field is starting to mirror Gordon Hayward's efficiency when Gordon's got a good night. I know he's got a bad night. It mixed in there, you know, here and there for a while, but Mm -hmm. what Brown is doing in terms of efficiency is completely unexpected and they're all going to gain confident confidence in watching Tatum take his career where he is. And I, I seriously, this is the time in the season when you need to start developing some momentum and getting healthy. And they're able to do both right now. That could time out really well. Well, and, and I, I want to give, I want to shout out Jalen Brown a little bit too, because uh, the other day, I think it was, I think it was right before the Portland game. Uh, they, they, they were talking to him, and you know, you know, kind of saying, you know, this is a time when it's really easy for the shine to be on one guy, and the other guy, you know, a, a guy in, in Brown's position to kind of get a little sour about it, or, or you know, just not take it the right way. Uh, you know, no, like, what about what about my well, shine? And nobody's talking to right, him 100%. at all. The, the the NBA conversation right now is about Jason Tatum. And forget about the Boston media, the Boston Celtics media. This is the NBA conversation right oh, now. Oh, the TNT love. Right. The TNT sure. love for him. Yep. And even if you watch the NBA recaps of those games on the West Coast, right. 100%, he's the highlight. He's the number one storyline right now. But when they talked to him on, on when well, they talked to Jalen on, on, I think it was on Tuesday, 
You know, and he's like, look, hey, we got to feed the man. He's playing well. We got to that's what we got to do. You know, it was very matter of fact. It was very much like, look, he's doing well. I love seeing him do well. And I want to I want to see him succeed. Like that's. Yeah, he said, yeah, you want for your brother. It's right. What you want for yourself. Exactly. And again, the culture, man, culture's real good. This is what Brad Stevens wanted. This is what he's been trying to build in that locker room. And and so, I mean, you can just see him teaming with pride for the way that this team is playing like that. I mean, remember looking at him post game last year and just his, uh. like. He tried to do – he did a great job, actually, of keeping as much of a stone face as he could. But he was in so much pain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just the internal struggle. And now he's just oozing with, like – he's having fun again. And uh, that's important, too. It, it's, it's, it's important, too. And it's it, – I, I think the culture, just the teammates, the camaraderie, the the way that they universally seem to get along is is so great. I mean, there was a little video that I can't remember who was it snapped it out on on Twitter of just Tatum and 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 Tice hugging it out after that win. You know what I mean? And it was it wasn't like oh Tatum you're the guy. I mean Tatum's just he's that guy. He's just he's. He's a regular well, dude. Well, he was thankful, and, right? He was. He's getting the screens that he wants. He's getting Absolutely. the high screens. He knows the man's – it's kind of – you know, I don't want to – there's going to be a bunch of non-Patriots fans that are going to get angry at me here. You know, but the one thing that, you know, even like a Tom Brady does, you know what I mean? Like, like Tice is, is – are those underpaid offensive linemen yep. that protect the quarterback. And Brady was always good about – taking those guys out to dinner, having a relationship and making sure that they got credit for the success that he wasn't getting in the limelight for. And that's my point about Tatum being likable. You know, there's a savvy here, a veteran savvy, a leadership style savvy that that part I didn't think he necessarily had. He seems so quiet. He seems so soft spoken. That part of his that leadership piece, the humility piece was a good thing because you thought, yeah, maybe maybe he would come at this if he was becoming really successful. But the leadership part is something that is surprising me. And, you know, to that point, he's hugging Tice to say thank you because he knows it's not happening just because he's a gifted talent. It's but, you know, like that's. It, it takes it takes two, right? Or maybe it takes takes thirteen or whatever. But it takes to make this thing go. And you know, you you want it. There's no question what's happening on the court. The numbers are the numbers. We can't argue with them. It's high efficiency. It's high scoring. It's hitting all the shots. It's being defensive monster. It's rebounding. I mean, it's everything, right? It's the whole package for Jason Tatum right now. But. The key to me is, and, and like you said, it's the comparison to last year, but it's, it's they all want to see him succeed. He doesn't see himself far above the others, though offensively they are clearly deferring to him, and though offensively he is clearly taking a charge of, of what he's doing. It's, it's that perfect amalgamation 
that's making gold, you know, and and those those forces internal in the locker room, external in the outside that can force things to break apart and cause a guy like Jalen Brown to get upset because he's not getting the shine, even though he's having a tremendous season. And in the absence of Jason Tatum, we'd all be shouting from the rooftops how great Jalen Brown has played this season. That's not happening here. You know, and it's it's just such a, a beautiful thing. It, it's a fun thing to watch. You all, everyone listening to this needs to be telling people to be watching this team because this is what it's about. And this is what this is what the NBA should be about. And this is a fun time to get on board uh, of a team that I think is going to have a long run in the spring. And I think have a long run as a as a unit together here, uh, you know, over the long haul over the next several years. Yeah, and just to put a bow on the Jalen Brown piece, you know, here's a guy, you want to talk about leadership? Remember what he went through last season? He was the guy who had to sacrifice. We had some attitudes on this team of players that, you know, even though Kyrie was not a good leader, he who shall not be named, was not a good leader. We had other people that did not deal with a reduced role very well and you know we i still love those players right but that reduced role you know i'm looking at you terry (laughs) you know didn't 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 help things and brown found a very mature way to be able to deal with that and then the way that he dealt with it brought a level of maturity and then he worked through it and the success those, that lesson from last year, both themes, has served him so well this year because he's steady Eddie. He's just about as consistent as you can be on the floor. He drew, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James as defensive <laughs> assignments and still got rebounds and put up points. Yeah. You know, that's not easy. And he's doing it without having the limelight. So he figured out how to be consistent when he's not the center of attention, and he figured out how to show everybody else. There are some young players on this team. There's going to be some future picks. There's going to be some players. And I'm telling you right now, you know, it's no coincidence that Jalen Brown, you know, is kind of taking taking a role with the players' union and all of that. This guy right here is smart, but he's not too heady. And uh, and if he was, he figured out how not to be last year. But he's got some real leadership skills, too. It'll be so interesting when I'm more than an old man, because I'm, I'm getting to be an old man now. But, you know, <laughs> these these two guys could be together literally still 15 years from now wrapping up as vets on this club. You know, definitely 12 to 13. So just think about that. It's been 12 years since the Celtics won the championship with the big three. Uh, Think about these two guys 12 years from now having been together and already as mature mentally as they are today. Mm. Well, let's talk. Let's that's 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 a great thought. Let's jump on that here after. I just want to also let you know, Justin, I don't know if you heard this, but March has arrived. We're only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. 
Not the one. I can't say what it is, but it's that tournament. But make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest. It's starting March 15th. That's right. I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be a hardcore to get in on the action. And with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so. Dude, that was hilarious. I couldn't figure out if you were struggling with how to segue or if you just thought my point was stupid. (laughs) That was great. Yeah. So anyway, I did. I was trying right, to segue in. But... I got the predictions right now. Then no, I'm just kidding. Well, let's actually. I was going to talk about like kind of the 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 grand scale here in roster construction, and it kind of leads into a little bit of that um, because I think that there's a lot of talk right now about the bench and this and that about, you know, how it all works. Um, Let's start with, with you feeling good about not trading away anybody. And then let's, let's transition to that and how this team this year came to be and, and why they are the way they are. So you kind of talked about the beginning in terms of, you know, it's such a great video from CNBC uh, or NBC, SN, or whatever. I can't even keep up anymore. I was yeah. in Boston this week, which was nice, and then we're driving back up for the game uh, on Saturday with the whole family. But, um, but yeah, that was a really nice piece, how they revamped all of that and basically highlighted Danny and his uh, genius. I mean, the, the list is endless. I mean, <laughs> the moves that he's made. It's really ridiculous if you really <laughs> we just sit down and look at it. And, and to think that there are people earlier this year who are sitting, who are talking about, well, Danny doesn't know how to draft and Danny doesn't know how to do this and that. I mean, how many, how many times do we have to go through this charade? Uh, we see that these things work out for him. I mean, you got Romeo Langford who's paying dividends. We got we get Carson Edwards who's maybe not paying dividends, but certainly showed he has capacity to be a bucket getter. Right, you know, Grant Williams, Taco Fall, for God's sakes. I mean, never mind what's going on with Tatum and Brown right now. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who's who's made all the right moves. Meanwhile. He who shall not be named has got a, an ouchie in his shoulder and can't play. Horford looks like he's, uh, well, let's just say his best days were left in Brookline. And, and you know, and Mook Morris is, you know, signed with the Spurs and then didn't sign with the Spurs. He went to the Knicks and now he's in L.A. I mean, what the hell? Um, it you almost every single move that was laid out there worked well for Danny Ainge going into the season. And not to mention Daniel Tice, Daniel Tice on a five year, $5 million contract. He might be the best, one of the best deals, if not the best deal in the NBA right now. Yeah. Marcus smarts right there too, for sure. But, uh, but you and I talked about Tice as the X factor last year 
And then we decided to roll it back and call it the X factor this year too. And it's playing out that way. Um, and Cantor, since I gave him a lot of praise, you know, we can, we can always balance my ego off a little bit. You know, he's not been good lately, not been good at all. Like after, and, and I don't, I don't know if he just struggles to stay healthy and then he's going to work his way back, you know, into a groove or, you know, what's going on. But it's so interesting to see him have so much success, you know, and really be pouring on the rebounds and the points and just use the Lakers matchups, the last two, to contrast it. And and this is where I'm finally I'm gonna concede that 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 even as much as I liked Cantor and whatnot, the thing that we're getting from Tice is consistency. And if we want that chemistry in that starting unit, you gotta have chemistry. The fact that Tice is on a really long uh, and attractive deal and that he likes being here, you know, it's a godsend. And to your point, it's just another one, just another one, little feather in the cap of Danny H, who literally is almost like a swami uh, the way that he does this. <laughs> and, and do you remember when he traded for Kyrie? We were like, well, you know, you trade for him. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. But you're always the winner with the best player in the trade. And, and we certainly weren't. And we didn't get anything for him when he walked. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure we would have been that much better off with, uh, with, with Isaiah. You know what I mean? We already signed Hayward, right? Like Hayward thought he was coming with Isaiah. So I'm not sure that the Kyrie move did anything, but when it looked like it could hurt you, Danny Ainge had a plan B with Kemba Walker. So here we are, dude. He finds a way to get through every sticky situation unscathed. And he had to have been pretty sure that they weren't going to take that the Sixer, uh, not the Sixers, that, uh, oh, crap. Who took Ingram? Who had number two? Lakers. Lakers. Right. Thank you. That was, he had to have that was, a pretty good idea that, that you know, everybody knew Fultz was going number one. Oh, oh there are, that's, yeah, that's Lonzo. Lonzo was that number oh, two. Oh, that's right. The other number two. That's right. Ingram was before Brown. He was the year before. So, right, right. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, same deal. Lonzo, two guards-ish ahead of Tatum. Like, that was a pretty ballsy move. Sure was. Absolutely. Big time. Big time. But that he had all the – to be able to do that and then do the trade and get Romeo Langford thrown in – um, you know, I think a year from now, we're going to sit back and be like, how, how the hell did he pull that off? We're already saying that. But but I think when Romeo becomes a competent rotation level player, uh, it's it's only going to worsen. And meanwhile, the, Dude, the Sixers are Romeo, sitting there with if, with with a, a rotting corpse in, in, in Al Horford. God, you know, God love him. But and, and the inability to play their two best players together and just a complete disaster show of a team, man, that's going to be st- tough to take for Sixers fans. Dude, if Romeo has a better career than Markel Fultz, you'll be able to look at that trade and say, the Celtics traded Markel Fultz for, for Romeo Langford and got Tatum thrown in. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like right? I mean, that's the way you could spin that. Uh, that. I mean, talk about a heavily weighted trade if it plays out that way. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, and I and I think 
frankly, I think you already probably could say that. Or you're not as far away from that as as you might be, given what they got for faults. You know, <laughs> I think they did win that. But uh, anyway, it's uh, it's 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 just uh, it's so funny that that this is how that all has shook out. And you know, I I, I want to talk a little bit about the bench because the bench has been kind of in the in the crosshairs of late. Uh, you know, last year's team had too many mouths to feed and, and not enough to, to feed them with, and it created a really nasty situation. This year, I think the proper number of mouths are, are being fed, and frankly, you know, I think with, when Kemba's healthy, it, it does find a balance. Um, you know, you can argue that maybe Smart's taken too many shots, Hayward not enough shots, but but all the people who should be shooting are shooting generally. Um, there's a question and concerns about bench scoring, but I mean, when you have four guys who are scoring 20 points, you really should, you really need to have a lot. Would it help? Certainly. But you know, the Laker game was, was really one where the Laker bench really stood up and, and, and Wanamaker didn't have a great game. Canner had a bad game. Um, but is there concern there, Justin? What do you think? I mean, are they is this a fatal flaw for this Celtics team? No, that's the downstream impact of not having a healthy Kemba Walker. I'm actually I'm gonna kind of I I know there's a lot of shade, but I'm just gonna minimize that and say the minute you take Marcus Smart out of that bench unit and put him into the starting lineup, it disrupts the chemistry on a young team. And just remember, they say that Smart's the heart and soul of this squad, and and he's not even in the starting lineup. He's leading that second unit. He's doing a great job in the starting lineup, for the most part, when Kemba's been out. But the downstream impact is you just lose all that cohesion and leadership in the second unit. You can't, you know, flow the rotation quite as smoothly you know, as you'd like to, um, you know, again, a downstream impact. If if they didn't, like, I think they'd be crazy not to re-sign Hayward. They got no other way to spend that money. You know what I mean? Whatever they got to do to keep him around, go into the luxury tax, all of that, they got to do it. It's just they're not going to spend the money any other way. And, and that's going to be kind of the issue. They're going to have to build, you know, the bench through the draft or through – you know, mid one mid-level exception a year, you know, and and then uh, the veteran minimums. Like they're not, they're never going to fully correct that. And even some of the rookies, when they come off their rookie deals, aren't going to get re-signed. And some of them are going to be good when that time comes. Um, but I still think you got to re-sign Hayward. He's got plenty of life left. Uh, in his game to see another contract through to the end. And especially because he plays smart ball and doesn't need the limelight. Um, but yeah, I think it's downstream impact. Uh, Kemba's injuries. I, I think when he comes back, all of a sudden it goes the other way. Uh, what that might be timed with would be a return for Robert Williams, which mm-hmm. would really skew our ability to evaluate if it was singularly related to Kemba's injury, because if you get him and Williams back and then the bench starts playing better, I don't think that'll be really much of a surprise at that point, because you've bolstered the squad by by two roster spots uh, of successful players and, and guys that were in the rotation prior to injury. I, and I think you also have, I think that 
uh, Canner's hurt. I think that's what's going on. I think that's why he's playing so poorly. And we saw it earlier in the year. Have they said anything about it? Well, because he got, that's my hunch too. But I haven't, I, I haven't seen yeah. anything that says he's well, still lingering with an issue. I don't think they're saying it, but but he was he had that bruised hip, I think, right before, um, not long before the break, and I, I he has not played well since then, and so I think it's it's natural to draw that conclusion, and if you know. Uh, Time Lord gets a good scan here with them coming back home here uh, tomorrow or tomorrow, I guess, you know, being in the, in the gym and, and getting a chance to look at it. Hopefully he's, he's clear and ready to go. I mean, certainly the videos of what he's doing on the break there seem to show that he's, he can jump, uh, but that maybe isn't necessarily the sign that shows whether or not he's, um, he's made that, uh, that leap, I guess, you know, <laughs> literal, uh, in terms of his health. And if so, then he'd be available to play against Houston now, uh, which would be nice for you. Um, because I think that's That'd a team he could, me. he could do pretty well in that environment. Uh, because I think that's, uh, that's a, that's a team that would be a good fit for him to play against. Um, you know, but yeah, because they're, they're going with a small lineup but he's athletic and quick enough to keep pace with them. But then we get the advantage of the size. You're absolutely right. Uh, That would be a great game for him to come back. He'll just be too rusty. That's going to be the issue. But, you know, uh, a game, a high-paced, high-octane game against Houston, I mean, it's going to be a ton of fun. And it would be great to see the Time Lord come out there because you're right. That's, That's a good matchup for him. That's a yeah, and I and I think that that's that's why I'm not I'm, his health is is paramount. This is a big deal if he's healthy, uh, because I do think it gives them another person to throw it at games. And you know, Grant Williams has kind of had a little bit of a rough trip. Uh, spent a lot of time <laughs> getting fouls and getting people on the free throw line. So needs you know maybe he needs to go back to the bench a little bit and kind of readjust and reevaluate where he is and what he's got to do um it'd be nice to throw time lord out there and know that you have some options because there's times where injuries or or foul trouble dictate and you know really you've got to play a six five guy at the center position for a long period of time and it's not your uh your go-to move it's just out of necessity and i think that's unfortunate for 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 Grant because it sometimes forces him into situations he shouldn't be. But generally I think he's done okay, but I'd much rather see Robert Williams out there and, and his potential. It seems like this, the, the Celtics as a franchise still have a lot of high hopes for him. And, you know, it'd be nice to see him use these last six weeks as an opportunity to, you know, maybe it, maybe it doesn't mean a starting spot and, and how could it with how well Tice has played, but, to establish himself as a, as a key rotation piece for this team. So as they're going into the next season, they can count on him and, and know that this is what we're going to get at least out of Robert Williams before, you know, he, he makes his, uh, you know, his leap uh, as Jason Tatum did. <laughs> or maybe that's wishful thinking. Uh, oh, there's the leap again. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure he's ever going to make that leap. I think part of the issue is his leap. I mean, I think it's taking a toll on his body because um, it's so freakish. But if there's a way for him to maintain health, I mean, just the shot blocking. Just, I mean, 
he's out of position so much, and yet, you know, because he's inexperienced and, and the amount of playing time he's gotten, he's out of position so much, but recovers with athleticism. Mm. Imagine what he could do if he was in position more often than out of position. And, and this is a part I think that you're getting at with the comparison to Tatum. There's an anticipation. Like Tatum knows what his defender is going to do now offensively, right? His, he can anticipate how they're going to react to his move, and he knows when he has an edge. Imagine Robert Williams on the defensive end of the ball, not only getting to the right place quickly enough and making the right read, but more than that, knowing players' tendencies, anticipating them, and then using his athleticism to overpower them. I mean, he could be a superstar. It's just, does he have it in his head? Can he stay on the floor enough to make that leap? Uh, and if so, you know, he's what's great is his skill set. There's plenty of room for it in the rotation. Nobody else does it. And, it's, you know, you talk about having enough balls to go around last year. He doesn't even need it. You know, and the guys that are going to feed him are going to feed him alley-oops, and they all look good when that happens, right? That's a feel-good play. There isn't anybody who feels bad giving up points to another guy on their team with an alley-oop. And so he doesn't take anything from the limelight. He can emerge as a – I don't want to use this comparison, but I'm going to, even though I think Robert could actually be more multifunctional, but the way that Rodman complimented – Pippen and Jordan, right? He didn't do anything on the floor to take away from them. They were just, it was all addition. You know, mm -hmm. it was, it was mm -hmm. a sum game that worked great. Sometimes when you add a piece to the pie, it's, it's not just two plus two equals four. It's two plus two equals three because, you know, you had to take a little bit away from another player. What's great about Robert is that that just would not be the case here. That's right. That's absolutely right. All right, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and look ahead here um, to the week ahead. Um, we're going to avoid the outtakes because we're, uh, we're it, the, kind of this show is like one big outtake this tonight. So we're gonna we're just gonna skip the outtakes tonight. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here with a, a look ahead here. We've got three games that we're gonna call on. Um, we've got obviously Saturday night uh, against Houston that Justin will be at. Uh, and then they'll have two days off and then play in Brooklyn and Cleveland in a back-to-back -back setting. Um, so, Justin Poulin, you're going to one game. Um, you're going to – I. How could you not, right? Let's go. Yeah. They're coming home. The Houston doesn't have a chance. They're coming home Whoa. as Tatum has emerged. I mean it. They're a great team. They don't have a chance. They're on, they're on the road. They're doing their road trip. Boston is streaking like Frank the Tank, and Tatum's on the rise, and they want to come home and show the home crowd. They are loving primetime games, even though they lost that one, you know, on national television to the Lakers. They love the TNT game. That's another rebound factor for them, I think, because they lost that Laker game. Um this is a nationally televised game. They want it, and uh, I, I, I really, I think, I think they, I think they might smoke them by fifteen to twenty points. I'm not even lying. 
I, wow. It's, it's, it might ride, that big of a win might ride on Kemba Walker being able to play. But, uh, but yeah, dude, I, I think I think it's going to be huge on Saturday. I'm not just saying that like as a wishful thinking because I'm going to be there. <laughs> but then Brooklyn, they, they always play them tough. Forget those guys. Cleveland, too. Wow. Okay. I, I think Cleveland is done. I think you can stick a fork in Cleveland working backwards on this. I think I think Brooklyn, as you said, they're always tough. Uh, you know, but something seems missing there with Brooklyn. Uh, I, they don't have the same fight that they've had. Um, and unless, you know, the, the Brooklyn team that we played there in December that kind of got a little bit of a, a burst going with, with Dinwiddie um, in, in Kyrie's absence, unless that kind of comes up here in the next few days, I don't see a, a reemergence of them. The game on Saturday night, I think, is is the only thing separating the 3-0 and or the 2-1. and Look, Houston has played tremendously well. Um, you know, they have really, you know, risen up, uh, and played some, some really, really, really good basketball. Maybe, you know, you don't want to, if you're going to make a top five teams in terms of how they played over the last month, you know, it's, it's Milwaukee, it's Toronto and Boston. And I think Houston are probably in that, in that group. They've just played so well with this, this small lineup that they're running, the thing is, is that since so they're four and since the All Star break, but they've played some really kind of questionable teams. They played Memphis with missing a number of players. They played Golden State, who's terrible. They played Utah, who we saw the other night is not at all the Utah team that we've been used to. And they and they beat the Knicks. So four and but it's kind of an asterisk because they're not the greatest of teams there. So. The question is, can you slow down? Can you slow down Harden? Can you slow down, you know, Westbrook? Uh, avoid them from getting to the foul line. And, and honestly, the game in Houston was was such a joke. I mean, as angry as I am about how the things went in L.A. on Sunday, there's more frustration that's lingered over here the last few weeks from that game in Houston. That that was such a a, a, a sham of a game. Um, I think Boston's going to be loaded for bear. I think they're going to be really angry. And I think you're right. I think they're going to want to really step on their necks here. And I think they have the ability to do it, which is, which is somewhat surprising for a team who's played so well. But I really, I believe in the Celtics group. The only caveat I'd say is, is two. Kemba. Yes. And also first game after a long road trip always seems to be a, a, a bit of a stumbling block. So, yeah, but they had a couple. Well, they had a. They had what? Two, they're gonna get two nights off, right? Yes. Yep. Two nights off before the before the game. So. Yeah. If it was a Sunday afternoon matinee, I'd be in on that all the way. I think actually because it's such a late night, you know, it, it's a later start. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, technically that game's only starting two hours earlier than the West Coast games, right? Yeah. So even if, even if there's a little bit of that, you know, like jet laggy kind of thing, um, I actually think the the eight o'clock start helps mitigate that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I didn't, I even thought about that. That's the other team. The other thing is, is that the Boston crowd will be uh, ready to go. I think on that Sunday, this is a game that. If you're buying tickets, there's a long stretch of games where they didn't have games on weekends, 
And so uh, if you were really trying to make an appointment game, a game you really wanted to go to, like as Justin did, um, this is when you kind of circle on the calendar because it really was one of the real marquee games on a weekend night. The crowd will be loud, I guarantee. I guarantee they will be into this game. And after the the way that the game was called in Houston, I do not believe they will be quiet. <laughs> I think they're going to let the officials <laughs> no. know about it. Yeah, I yep, yep, I think you're right about that. And, you know, the only other game that might have been a bigger circle on your calendar is the one you went to this season with the family against the Lakers, which also, by the way, was a somewhat surprising blowout victory. So keep that in the back of your head. There you go. There you go. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, everyone, I uh, I don't have the readout that Justin does every time. So we're just going to wrap this thing up here. We're going to thank everybody. We thank Nick Gelso because Nick's, Nick's great. We love Nick. We love CLNS Media. We wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for those guys. Um, but. Listen, you got to follow my guy at CSL underscore Justin, Justin Poulin. You got to follow me at CSL underscore Duke. Everything's on the, the Facebook, it's on the Twitter, it's on everything. You got to follow it all. We really appreciate you guys listening. Give us a give us a follow. Give us rate, subscribe to what we do. We love what you do. If you love what we do, follow what we do. Tell us what we do well. Uh, we really appreciate you listening to the show. Again, we'll be back again later next week when we talk a little bit more. Uh, we get to hear about Justin's trip. How the whole this is this is the first time the whole the whole fam damnly is is going so the, there's a lot to talk about here and let's see if the Celtics can keep this three and zero trip going. Justin, any final thoughts? I can't wait. He can't wait. There you go. What was the what was the the thing from last week? The happy trails. What was the bebop? Uh, oh was, yeah. Bombadita, 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 <laughs> happy trails to you. <laughs> That's great. All right, everybody. Thank you all for listening to Celtic Stuff Live. <laughs>